In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let us pray. Almighty and everlasting God, mercifully look upon our infirmities and stretch forth the hand of your majesty to heal and defend us. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. The Old Testament reading for the third Sunday after the Epiphany is from the second book of the Kings, the fifth chapter. Now Naaman, commander of the army of the king of Syria, was a great and honorable man in the eyes of his master, because by him the Lord had given victory to Syria. He was also a mighty man of valor, but a leper. And the Syrians had gone out on raids and had brought back captive a young girl from the land of Israel. She waited on Naaman's wife. Then she said to her mistress, If only my master were with the prophet who was in Samaria, for he would heal him of his leprosy. And Naaman went in and told his master, saying, Thus and thus said the girl who is from the land of Israel. Then the king of Syria said, Go now, and I will send a letter to the king of Israel. So he departed and took with him ten talents of silver, six thousand shekels of gold, and ten changes of clothing. Then he brought the letter to the king of Israel, which said, Now be advised, when this letter comes to you, that I have sent Naaman my servant to you, that you may heal him of his leprosy. And it happened, when the king of Israel read the letter, that he tore his clothes and said, Am I God to kill and make alive, that this man sends a man to me to heal him of his leprosy? Therefore please consider and see how he seeks a quarrel with me. So it was, when Elisha, the man of God, heard that the king of Israel had torn his clothes, that he sent to the king, saying, Why have you torn your clothes? Please let him come to me, and he shall know that there is a prophet in Israel. Then Naaman went with his horses and chariot, and he stood at the door of Elisha's house. And Elisha sent a messenger to him, saying, Go and wash in the Jordan seven times, and your flesh shall be restored to you, and you shall be clean. But Naaman became furious, and went away, and said, Indeed, I said to myself, He will surely come out to me and stand and call on the name of the Lord his God and wave his hand over the place and heal the leprosy. Are not the Abana and the Farpar, the rivers of Damascus, better than all the waters of Israel? Could I not wash in them and be clean? So he turned and went away in a rage. And his servants came near and spoke to him and said, my father, if the prophet had told you to do something great, would you not have done it? How much more then when he says to you, wash and be clean? So he went down and dipped seven times in the Jordan, according to the saying of the man of God. And his flesh was restored like the flesh of a little child, 
and he was clean. And he returned to the man of God, he and all his aides, and came and stood before him, and he said, Indeed, now I know that there is no God in all the earth except in Israel. Now, therefore, please take a gift from your servant. This is the word of the Lord. The nations shall fear the name of the Lord, and all the kings of the earth your glory. For the Lord shall build up Zion. He shall appear in his glory. The epistle is from St. Paul's letter to the Romans, the eighth chapter. First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for you all, that your faith is spoken of throughout the whole world. For God is my witness, whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his Son, that without ceasing I make mention of you always in my prayers, making requests, if by some means, now at last, I may find a way in the will of God to come to you. For I long to see you, that I may impart to you some spiritual gift, so that you may be established, that is, that I may be encouraged together with you by the mutual faith both of you and me. Now I do not want you to be unaware, brethren, that I often planned to come to you, but was hindered until now, that I might have some fruit among you also, just as among the other Gentiles. I am a debtor both to Greeks and to barbarians, both to wise and to unwise. So as much as is in me, I am ready to preach the gospel to you who are in Rome also. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. This is the word of the Lord. The Holy Gospel according to St. Matthew, the eighth chapter. When he had come down from the mountain, great multitudes followed him. And behold, a leper came and worshipped him, saying, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Then Jesus put out his hand and touched him, saying, I am willing, be cleansed. Immediately his leprosy was cleansed. And Jesus said to him, See that you tell no one, but go your way and show yourself to the priest and offer the gift that Moses commanded as a testimony to them. Now when Jesus had entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him, pleading with him, saying, Lord, my servant is lying at home, paralyzed, dreadfully tormented. And Jesus said to him, I will come and heal him. The centurion answered and said, Lord, I am not worthy that you should come under my roof, but only speak a word, and my servant will be healed. For I also am a man under authority, having soldiers under me. And I say to this one, Go, and he goes, and to another, Come, and he comes. 
and to my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard it, he marveled and said to those who followed, Assuredly, I say to you, I have not found such great faith, not even in Israel. And I say to you that many will come from east and west and sit down with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. But the sons of the kingdom will be cast out into outer darkness. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then Jesus said to the centurion, Go your way, and as you have believed, so let it be done for you. And his servant was healed that same hour. This is the Gospel of the Lord. We confess our faith with the words of the Nicene Creed. I believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and of all things visible and invisible, and in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, begotten of his Father before all worlds, God of God, light of light, very God of very God, begotten, not made, being of one substance with the Father by whom all things were made, who for us men and for our salvation came down from heaven and was incarnate by the Holy Spirit of the Virgin Mary and was made man and was crucified also for us under Pontius Pilate. He suffered and was buried. And the third day he rose again, according to the Scriptures, and ascended into heaven, and sits at the right hand of the Father. And he will come again with glory to judge both the living and the dead, whose kingdom will have no end. And I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord and giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son together is worshipped and glorified, who spake by the prophets. And I believe in one holy Christian and apostolic church. I acknowledge one baptism for the remission of sins, and I look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. From God the Father, virgin born, to us the only Son came down, by death the font to consecrate the faithful to regenerate. Beginning from his home on high, in human flesh he came to die. Creation by his death restored, and shed new joys of life abroad. 
Glide on, O glorious Son, and bring the gift of healing on your wing to every dull and clouded sense the cleanness of your light dispense. Abide with us, O Lord, we pray, the gloom of darkness chase away to work of healing, Lord, begin and take away the stain of sin. Lord, once you came to earth's domain, and we believe shall come again. Be with us on the battlefield, from every harm your people shield. To you, O Lord, all glory be, for this your blessed epiphany, to God whom all his hosts adore, and Holy Spirit evermore. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Now when Jesus had entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him pleading with him, saying, Lord, my servant is lying at home paralyzed, dreadfully tormented. And Jesus said to him, I will come and heal him. The centurion answered and said, Lord, I am not worthy that you should come under my roof, but only speak a word, and my servant will be healed. For I also am a man under authority, having soldiers under me. And I say to this one, Go, and he goes, and to another, Come, and he comes. And to my servant, Do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard it, he marveled and said to those who followed, Assuredly, I say to you, I have not found such great faith, not even in Israel. This is the word of the Lord. Jesus teaches the Sermon on the Mount, recorded in St. Matthew's Gospel from chapter 5 through chapter 7. Today, hearing from the 8th chapter, you know the sermon has ended because the reading begins when Jesus had come down from the mountain. That great sermon that he preaches upon the mount does not fall on deaf ears. As he began walking down the mountain out of that earthen pulpit, St. Matthew notes that multitudes 
followed him. They follow him not because he is a personality, but because of his teaching. They follow him not because of his eloquence at oratory, but because of the content of his teaching. They follow him not because of his charisma or charm. Indeed, the prophet Isaiah writes that he has no form or comeliness, and when we see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. But because of his authority. St. Matthew ends his record of the Sermon on the Mount with these words. So it was when Jesus had ended these sayings that the people were astonished at his teaching, for he taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. The people follow Jesus down the mountain because they are astonished, literally in the Greek, out of their minds by the authority of Jesus in his teaching of the word of God and his proclamation of the gospel. Jesus preaches with authority because he is authority. He is divine authority in the flesh. His is the authority from which all other authority flows. All things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that was made. There are no earthly authorities that can wield or exercise authority apart from Jesus, and certainly no one can wield authority over Jesus. This is why Jesus sounds different from the Pharisees and scribes, and why the people follow him instead of those other authorities. There is a reason that in the midst of this amazement over authority, the leper comes to Jesus and appeals to that authority. He does not ask to be healed, at least not in so many words. He appeals to authority. He says to Jesus, if you are willing, you can heal me. Of course, the heart of faith knows that Jesus is always willing, and this particular faithful heart is rewarded with confirmation of that reality. He is healed. There is a reason that the centurion comes to Jesus and appeals to authority. I also am a man under authority, having soldiers under me. And I say to this one, go, and he goes, and to the other, come, and he comes. And to my servant, do this, and he does it. He says much the same as the leper. He recognizes that he, though an authority in his domain, is under authority of one far greater, mainly the very Jesus to whom he now makes request. He also reveals what authority is able to do. When the centurion gives an order, his authority merits the completion and fulfillment of that order. In Christ, he recognizes through Christ's preaching, 
true authority, which, just as the centurion's own orders, can bring about great effect, including the healing of a servant. The reason for these two admissions of authority is the confession of who Jesus is made known through his gospel. They hear, and through the word that enters into their ears, their eyes are opened to see the one who is and who possesses all authority in heaven and on earth, and their hearts are opened by him to receive him. Why this reason matters is because you, with the crowds, are called to amazement at the authority of Jesus, but not amazement only. The majority of those crowds are amazed at Jesus' authority in the same way that the people are amazed at Jesus' miraculous feeding of the 5,000, like children at the circus for the first time staring slack-jawed at the wonders they never dreamed of witnessing, goofy smiled and entranced. But then those children grow up. Then their sense of wonder is replaced by adult rationality, busyness, grump, and exhaustion perpetually. Then the circus does not amuse as it once did, then the circus becomes a childish thing. Reason trumps wonder, and pride replaces acceptance. They are amazed at Jesus' teaching and his authority now, but when they realize that to follow Jesus is to be under his authority, they scoff at him, they leave him, and eventually they seek his death. They are like Naaman the Syrian. Leprous though he was, he was offended that someone dared to give him an order, and a simple one at that. You are certainly called to amazement, but amazement cannot be the only thing, and most especially can it never be the ultimate goal of your faith. The leper is amazed like the rest of the crowd, but in his amazement he is led to believe and to seek the gospel of Jesus and submit himself to his authority in the person of Jesus. Likewise, the centurion is amazed, but believes and submits, confessing that as his servants are under his authority, so is he also under Jesus' authority. This is one of the many offensive things about Christianity, especially in this modern day. You do not get to make up your own mind. You do not get to be the boss of your own self. You do not get to assert thoughts, feelings, or opinions. What you say or think is not valued here like it is out in the world. The moment you come into the church, not through the doors of this building, but joined in baptism to the one holy Catholic and apostolic church of the creeds, you are one under authority. There is no, but what I think is, 
There is no selective belief in Jesus. There is no Thomas Jefferson Bible. There is no my understanding is. It is Jesus. What Jesus thinks, what Jesus says, how Jesus understands. This is a stumbling block for many because they do not realize that belief is submission, something not at all intellectual, but wholly spiritual. It is a more natural behavior to be Naaman, to be affronted that your status, your money, your accomplishments, your opinions, all of which the world values, Jesus has no use for or desire for. He wants you, and he wants you to follow him on his way, thinking his thoughts, doing his deeds, and believing his words, because his words are reality, and yours are not. Thoughts, opinions, accomplishments, money, status, none of that is reality. Now, it may be your reality, but subjective reality is not true reality. You have no sovereignty over your own life. You can live like a pagan and pretend you do, which will merit quite the surprise someday, or you can confess the reality that your sovereignty belongs to another. Therefore, to follow Jesus is first to recognize that you are sons of God in Jesus and are all then men under authority, like the centurion, like the leper. You must humble yourselves like Naaman finally did to be like Jesus' leper and Jesus' centurion. Only in recognizing that you are under the authority of Jesus can you finally approach him and say, if you are willing, you can make me clean, trusting in his mercy and promises for you rather than your own thoughts and opinions about him. Greater still, only in being under his authority can you with the centurion give such a magnificent confession of faith. Lord, I am not worthy that you should come under my roof. It takes true humility and it takes true deference to a greater authority to make this confession. Thoughts and opinions of the mind or of the heart or of the self are unable to do so. Thus Jesus says concerning it, Assuredly, I say to you, I have not found such great faith, not even in Israel. Why not? Because the people are not willing to be under his authority. They believe they do deserve a visit from him. You are not worthy that the Lord should come under your roof. You know it. He knows it. He wants you to know it. But he wants to come anyway. And he wants you to know that too. And of course, the heart knows 
that it is not worthy, and it is the heart that does know it is not worthy, that is the very heart that is worthy. For the house that centurion really speaks of is not merely his home, but his heart, the seat of faith. He is an unabashed subject of Jesus and loves to be so. You are to be too. For to be under the authority of Jesus is to be free in his love, apart from those horrid and chafing restraints of self's prideful assertions. So be amazed, but do not run from being under authority. The simple fact is this. To submit to the authority of Christ is to believe in him, which is the act of faith. And as it is written, the just shall live by his faith. Amen. Let us pray for the whole Church of God in our Lord Christ Jesus and for all people according to their needs. For the one holy Catholic and apostolic Church throughout the world, that it may maintain a counterculture amidst the culture in the holy word of God and the unsullied teachings of the blessed apostles, let us pray to the Lord. That the Lord who sent out his apostles would continue to bless his apostolic office for the blessings of strength, endurance, perseverance, courage, and steadfastness to be given to all bishops, pastors, chaplains of the armed forces, and missionaries both domestic and abroad, let us pray to the Lord. For all Christian peoples, for strength of confession, resolve of will, rigidity of faith, and purity of life. For Christian households as sacred refuge, for all Christian marriages as icons of divine love, and, and for Christian youth, both young and old, that they would remain firmly grounded upon the rock of their faith's foundation and not be swept away by the current of the age, let us pray to the Lord. For the nations of the world, especially the United States of America, and for their people and for their rulers, especially Joseph, our president, for upstanding leaders of good character and wisdom, for peace and concord, for an end to all violence, warfare, and strife, especially within the city of Atlanta, for the destruction of evil and evil intent, and for the rule of love, for the preservation of justice, and for prosperity to abound among all nations, let us pray to the Lord. That the God to whom creation bows would grant unto the world deliverance from all error, relief from famine, protection from the dangers of this earth, and freedom to all in captivity, especially those who suffer for his most holy name, and that God would send his holy angels to guard us in every endeavor, let us pray to the Lord. For the Father's unfailing mercy upon those in anguish, those suffering with depression, those broken in heart and spirit, 
those struggling with addiction, those who fear, those who suffer, the unemployed, the destitute, and all the needy of this world. Let us pray to the Lord. For the glory of the Christ's blessed epiphany to shine ever brighter and to pierce the darkness of this age. For an opening of the eyes of faith to see God as he is revealed and ever sense his nearness. And for the return of the apostate and the conversion of the pagans, that all may be united in the love and light of Christ, let us pray to the Lord. For the healing of the great physician upon all the infirmities of man, granting an end to disease and health to the sick, especially do we offer prayer for David, Sherry, Shirley, Janice, Judy, Stephen, Carl, David, Janice, Josh, and Michael, for peace to the dying, comfort to the bereaved, and everlasting peace to all servants and handmaidens who now rest in Christ, let us pray to the Lord. Almighty God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, even as you revealed your glory in days of old to your faithful people, do you continue this revelation in your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself as the great oblation for the sin of the world. May all hearts and minds be bowed to him alone, drawing near to behold this, your glory, as it is now revealed in flesh and blood offered eternally. May we both behold this beatific vision and participate in it to the glory of your name and the salvation of our persons. Be pleased, O God, that as we receive this gift, we sinners who trust in your mercies would receive fellowship with you, with the apostles and martyrs, and with all your holy saints, into whose company we beseech you to admit us on the last day, not weighing our merits, but pardoning our offenses. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Lord, remember us in your kingdom and teach us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. <laughs> 